Hello everyone. Good evening. This is Charlotte here from Enriching Environments and welcome to Top Tip Tuesday on Tuesday the 29th of September. It is lovely to see you all here this evening and we'll just wait a few moments for more people to join. Um, I can see by looking at the beautiful night sky here in Dubai that it's going to be a full moon in a couple of days which usually means that everyone in my household goes a bit crazy so we'll see how we um, how we fare in the next couple of days and actually I read online that each of the whether the full moons or the new moons until the end of the year are going to be super moons so they'll be really really bright and appear really close to the earth which is really interesting which I think is sort of in synchronicity with everything that's happening in the world, all the craziness of, uh, of this year, of 2020. Um, so let's begin about our um, conversation this evening, our Top Tip Tuesday this evening, regarding creating a simple, ordered and accessible environment. Hi, Neem as well. Hi there. Um, creating a simple, ordered and accessible environment. Um, at home. Mima's what I have an, uh, uh, I have a feeling that I owe you an email about something a couple of months ago and it's just gone out of my head. I keep seeing your name. I think I do. I'm going to check my emails um, this evening after I finish because uh, I think I need to speak to you about something. Um, so this evening we're going to talk about a simple ordered and accessible environment. This is really the basics and um, of Montessori of enriching environments and we, we've, we speak about it a lot. Um, but I often find that um, for me, this, the simple, for me, the, what seems like the simplest questions are often the ones that don't get answered. Do you know what I mean? For, for a Montessorian, for um, anyone in early childhood education, actually, a simple, ordered and accessible environment is just sort of standard. It's just what you do. And it's not actually necessarily really obvious to other people who aren't used to um, early childhood, you know, who are on their first child or into um, a slightly different way of parenting. So I thought, let's go back to the basics. I get a lot of questions about this. And um, Helen Farmer on Dubai I on Sunday afternoon actually was talking about a small change she's made in her environment, something that I recommended um, earlier on in the year. Um, which was, and this has made a huge difference in her household, um, and this was to add a jug of water and some glasses at her daughter's height, um, child height in the environment. And um, what a massive difference it's made in terms of uh, her daughters and how it's made um, them able to drink more water which obviously in the climate we are in in Dubai is, is hugely beneficial so I thought I'd go as I said on the real the real real basics this evening so that's creating a simple ordered and accessible environment so um, let's begin by saying the prepared space for our children um, should be designed with their natural development in mind so we don't want anything in our environment um, that interferes with their natural development so for a starter, just to give you, give you an example, something like a um, bouncer or a walker that makes a child be in a, an unnatural position before they are ready for that position doesn't support their natural development. So we wouldn't want something like that in the house. Do you see what I mean? 
something like a car seat obviously has them in an unnatural position but is essential for safety so that obviously we do need to include you know in in the car so that's really really important but something that is non-essential that would be more like a gadget like a, one of those bouncy things like one of those um like those walker things which are sort of on wheels and they you kind of put the baby in them and then they scoot their feet like that something like that when when a child is ready to walk they're ready to walk if you have worries about their development you can speak to your pediatrician or get someone to do an observation etc etc but we mustn't um, put their their contort their bodies into into these um, you know either making them crawl or making them walk or making them climb or making them do anything until they're ready um, so that's what I mean about supporting their natural development and so we have our first thought that we are going to create an environment with our child's natural development in mind um, and that means that it needs to be simple it needs to be ordered and it needs to be accessible Hi Noam, good evening, how are you? Um, so, for covering the simple of the simple, ordered and accessible environment, the simple is less is more. And I know this is really, really, um, hi there, people who've joined. Um, also, jump in with any questions as we go along. I'm happy to uh, just answer as you go along. Don't feel like you need to like wait for a break or what have you, because you... Um, have been with me before so you know that I waffle and go off on tangents anyway so don't so don't hesitate to ask a question if you want to jump in so the simple of a simple order and accessible environment this is less is more um, it can seem really counterintuitive and intuitive particularly because we um, obviously there are children we want to buy lots and lots of stuff for them we want to buy the best things and, and the marketing and the advertising is really really good so that we um, we can end up buying lots and lots of things that promise to make them more clever or more happy or more creative or more whatever but really less is more is um is the key if we do find that we've got lots of things then best to just really really pare it down and keep um an absolute minimum on the shelf and then store the rest away in um in the cupboard um out of sight from our child so um we've got uh three toys for example on the shelf for a young child and then everything else is away and then we can rotate according to what we see our, our um our child's interests are what their needs are when they when they need something refreshed and then we rotate them so we don't waste things but we keep a really simple environment for them um the other thing to know about having a simple environment why it's so important is that young children can't cope with lots and lots of choices when you're offering a child a choice of say something of how to get dressed you should only offer them two if you're offering them something to eat at mealtime it should only be a choice of two um children can't cope with lots of choice so for us um i don't know a really good example something like a buffet would be amazing for us as an adult it looks you know abundant and overflowing but for a child having a buffet of toys for example out just doesn't work lots and lots of stuff doesn't work for them they can't they literally can't see they can't see past the stuff they need really really simple choices really um and then we'll come to order afterwards and the importance of order but um it needs to be really 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 pared down so pared down that it almost seems unnatural to us and that's actually what it should what it should look like when you first look at it um when you've completely pared down your toys and you've got to, to three on a shelf if if it feels really weird and really unnatural and um and 
like you haven't done enough, then you're probably on the right track. Do you know what I mean? And again, that can feel quite, that can seem quite counterintuitive, but they really can't cope with lots of choices. So we're not, we're doing them a disservice by offering them more than they can cope with. Because what's going to happen if they can't cope with stuff? Children can't say, oh, I can't cope with this. There's, um, there's too much here. Either things get misused and, you know, and things get damaged or, um, They'll, they'll wander off and do something else, find something else to do, which isn't actually what you want them to do. You want them to be able to engage with their environment really, really easily. So there's the simple of simple, ordinary, accessible. Just less is more. It's really hard to do. Um, uh, but once you get into the habit of it, and then you can get into the habit, you know, you can sort your cupboard out, you can label everything in your cupboard. This is my favourite thing, is having my cupboard with all the stuff in there. I can rotate really easily. And now, because I've been doing it, obviously, for, you know, Olivia's almost six, because I've been doing it for six years, it's easy. You know, it's just finding your rhythm. What is, um, what is your rhythm? What cupboard can you can put things in so that they are really accessible for you? So you can rotate regularly. So it doesn't seem so daunting to just put three toys out and then be able to find your setup, which means that you can easily rotate. It's easy for you. It's natural for you. And then you can get into your rhythm and it feels really enjoyable, actually, because you're able to then see what your child's interested in. Then you quickly switch something out and then offer something else. So um, then it becomes really easy to follow your child's interests and your, all your observation will pay off and all those things. But it's time, it takes time to find your rhythm, like with learning anything new in life, right? Um, so that's the simple. Let's go on to the ordered. So order is um, one of the um, foundations, one of the cornerstones of a Montessori classroom and a Montessori way of life. And this is um, because, well, for lots of reasons, but one of the reasons is that internal order, sorry, external order in the environment leads to internal order inside the child. So it's almost like um, we're helping them create their filing cabinet that is their, that is their brain. Um, an old-fashioned saying would be a place for everything and everything in its place. So... Um, you have your children's, um, hi, you came, Mama. Um, so you have your children's uh, shelf and you have the three things on your shelf, for example, and they know that that is their shelf and their things are always going to be on there. That is what the sense of order is. It doesn't mean that you can't shift things around, but you should, you should move things around with them. Um, in mind, if you're going to do a big shift of uh, of your play area or the playroom or their workshop, what have you, you should do it with them so they can see it, um, so they can see the change of order. But it just means that their toys are on their their one shelf, their low shelf that we'll come to afterwards, um, and they can trust they're reliably there all of the time. And that's what's really that's what we mean about order. It's because it builds um, like a sense of trust and a sense of confidence in their environment. Their immediate environment is so important when they're little. This is where all of their learning comes from. This is where the discovery comes from. This is where their sense of safety and security comes from. So order is so important. They are literally constructing themselves. They are constructing a human being. We need to create an environment that's so simple and so ordered that they can just get on with what they need to do. And I'll give you an example um, of, of a piccolini, a toddler. So anyone who has a toddler knows that most toddlers go through a stage where they need to clean everything. You know, they want the cloth, they want the spray, they want the dustpan and brush, they want the mop. Um, if we've got those items on a shelf available to them the whole time, simply set out, so a basket of cloths, a dustpan and brush, and a spray bottle with water in it, if they're there reliably the whole time, 
your piccolini can go and practice that skill easily. He or she is not rummaging around for those things. He's not then going to go off and get distracted and bother the cat or the baby sister or whoever else, you know what I mean? They, he or she can do what they need to do. Um, they can trust that their material is there. What they need is, is there when they need it. And um, they can keep coming back to it. They can keep coming back to it. They know it's going to be there and they will always find something that meets their developmental need. As I said, Piccolinis love to clean. The majority of Piccolinis love, love, love to clean and do it very well as well, actually, because they have the need to do it for extended periods of time because it's gross um, a whole body movements, gross motor skills and, and fine motor skills, all of those things. So that order in their environment allows them to follow their need and then it doesn't just then there's no distractions they're not being taken away by something else what they need is right there um, when they need it um, and so that's how that or you'll see how the order is so comforting for a young child is so um, important as I said for their senses or safety and security and it's really difficult to explain actually if you haven't observed in a Montessori classroom or um, you haven't seen it in your own children yet because your environment isn't prepared that way it's really hard to imagine and then when you do see it in your environment or you do see it in a, in a Montessori classroom then it really becomes obvious how important that sense of order is for your child for our child every child's sense of um sense of security and sense of safety and once they can depend that what they need is available to them. It's almost like they can kind of get on with the business of, of being a child and growing and developing. They don't have to worry about anything else. Um, and it's really amazing when you when you can see that happen and you witness that um, you know, in your own children or in someone else's child. Excuse me one moment, I'm just gonna have a drink of water. Um, and another thing about sense of order, um, actually, which is, really interesting and really really important hi glambos is that one would think that having a sense of order and having an environment that's simple and ordered um and a place for everything and everything in its place would inhibit um exploration we would think that right that we would think that it would inhibit creativity and it would inhibit exploration but actually it's the opposite it um encourages exploration because the child the child can see what is there, um, what is there is there for them to discover. It actually, in, in then over time, it increases creativity. It encourages creativity and it in, encourages um, exploration because it's all obvious, it's clear, it's there, it's, it's ordered, it's in one space and we'll come to the next point about accessibility. Um, so order uh, promotes exploration and movement and all those things rather than inhibits it. So that's the other reason that order is really, really important. Um, for young children and then moving on to accessibility um, how is can I best explain how important accessibility is so having everything at a child's height is so so important because imagine for one moment that we've just been transported to a giant's world okay and you go into this giant's world and you go into the giant's house and you are thirsty but you can't reach a drink of water you're hungry but you can't reach a snack you want to climb up to see what's on the table but you can't because the chairs are too high up you want to go to bed but you can't climb into bed because it's too high up and you can't get in um imagine how frustrated you are going to be if everything that you want is out of reach and then even worse 
These giants are speaking another language, so you can't even convey what you need either. And that's what it's like for a baby and a toddler. They can't explain what they need, so we've got to prepare an environment for them, which means they can get what they need. And there's two sides to this. Very much so, we need to create an environment that they can get what they need that is accessible. And so that is our responsibility to take everything that is not safe for them, and they, we definitely don't want them to have, and put it away in a safe place. So everything needs to be that they need is going to be at a child's height. So that means preparing the kitchen cupboard so that they can take their own cup and their own bowl and their own knife and fork and spoon and chopping board for preparing snack once they're, um, well, yeah, actually you can prepare a snack with a little one from like six months old. Um, uh, they, the glass of water, as I said about um, the uh, mentioned by Helen Farmer on Dubai Eye, uh, earlier on in the talk, she spoke on Sunday about how what difference it's made that um, her girls, I had suggested on her radio show back in March, I think it was, to put a jug of water at um, her girls' height and glasses. They could pour their own water and then they would drink more and um, it's accessible and it helps them take you know control of their own bodies and stops as much whinging actually as well. That's what it really, really helps with as well. Um, because they're in charge and they're being independent, they're being autonomous and they can get what they need when they need it. Um, so something as simple as, you know, for a piccolini or a preschooler, having a jug of water and some glasses on a low shelf so that they can access that themselves. They can pour their energy, they can listen to their body's messages, I'm thirsty, then they can go and pour a glass of water. They're honing their pouring skills. They are feeling grown up because they're pouring in a, a glass of water. And they're listening to their body's messages as well. I mean, it's just, it's so simple. And, and like the other things I was saying, it's so simple. Some of these things are counterintuitive. It doesn't, it, it's so simple. It seems like either it's common sense and why isn't everyone doing it? Or it seems like it's too simple. How can this make such a massive difference when it's such a small thing? But I promise you, it really, really does. Having a dustpan and brush and a basket of cloths available for a toddler so that they can clean non-stop when they want to is massive, is so huge for their overall um, development, for their overall well-being, for their overall contentment, you know. The toddlers is often a misunderstood age where um, they just seem to have tantrums and be frustrated the whole time. Most of the time, um, or a lot of the time I would say, that toddlers are frustrated is that if we don't have an environment that, that meets their needs, that meets them where they are, that is simple, ordered and accessible, of course they feel frustrated. They're just getting this independence. They've just started to walk. They want to um, clean things. They want to prepare food. They want to lay the table. They want to do all of these things. But we've got them stuck sort of in baby mode, in walkers or jumpers or, you know, rushing from one thing to another. And all they want to do is potter about at home and clean the window and sweep the floor. Um, and that's what both of my children did in the Piccolini years from, from age one to three. Basically, we spent all the time cleaning because that's what they needed to do. And the stuff was there available to them. So whenever they felt that need, um, they could just get on and do it. And actually, even Harry, my son now at three and a half, you know, in terms of, of self-regulation, he'll um, spray and wipe a window for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And I can actually see it. I can feel like his little body's self-regulating, you know, when he feels like he needs to do these big arm movements, physical work, um, to sort of calm himself down because he's dealing with whatever it might be at that moment, or he's had an argument with his big sister or a friend or what have you. Um, so the accessibility is so important. It contributes so much to their overall joy and their and their well-being. 
And as I said, imagine that, you know, we are giants and this is our giant's world and they are a little person. And if they can't reach everything, it's so frustrating. And if their language skills aren't sufficient, they can't convey what they need either. I mean, it's so, so frustrating for them. They can't reach what they need and they can't say what they need either. So no wonder there's, you know, meltdown after meltdown after meltdown after meltdown. Um, it's, you know, they've got everything stacked against them. Um, so it, it makes such a massive difference. So these three things I'd like you to take away with you this evening. A simple environment, less is more. An ordered environment, so a place for everything and everything in its place. Whatever you decide is your shelf of, or two shelves of um, toys, and then like what we call practical life, which is the cleaning materials. Um, decide where they're gonna be. Keep it very, very simple on the shelf and then have those as the work shelves. Um, there's your simplicity and there's your order. And then accessible. Those shelves or shelf has got to be at their height. You know, And again, with, with books, I've just looked at our shelf of books. The books, the cover's facing forward so they can actually see what they, what they want, they can choose. With the spine facing towards them, there's too much of a choice. And we spoke about this in, in the first point. There's too much of a choice. They can't really see what they need. So much for a child. Um, draws them is the cover and you know children's illustrated uh, children's books is illustrated so beautifully I mean the covers are so captivating aren't they so put those beautiful covers um, put those beautiful covers facing forward um, and then uh, and then they can choose what book they want and again just three on the shelf and then three in another place in the house and three in their bedroom and three in your bedroom or depending on how big your house is if you've only got one room just put books in different spots in one room it doesn't matter the size of your house what m more matters is making your space whatever that looks like whatever culture you're from um, your space that's unique to you simple ordered and accessible um, so the accessibility as I say everything at their height so they can get what they need when they need it that's really really vital um, and this all to sort of bring it all together these um, Concepts are not new. Dr. Montessori, um, what did I say, uh, gained this knowledge um, over a hundred years ago from her observation of children. These aren't um, theories that she came up with. These were her observations and then she formed her philosophy based on her observations what, uh, over a hundred years ago. And what is so fascinating is that neuroscience has made such huge leaps in the past 10, 15, 20 years that Dr. Montessori's work, her work that told us that children learn through all five of their senses in the first six to seven years of life, for example, that has been proven by neuroscience. Um, Dr. Montessori um, telling us, you know, children need first-hand experiences in nature. They need things at their own height. They need simple in ordered environments. This is what she knew instinctively from her observations. And this has all been proved by neuroscience. So it's, it's, um, it's new knowledge, but it's not. And then before Dr. Montessori said it, you know, indigenous tribes, you know, first peoples all over the world have known this for, um, have known this for centuries and they are practicing this still in their communities. Now, um, Dr. Montessori was amazing because she amplified, um, the knowledge that was already, already there. But the, the way that you see indigenous children, people, um, raising their children is, uh, it's really interesting because it's so aligned in, in some ways with um, Montessori uh, 
philosophy, but actually they've been doing it for hundreds and hundreds of years, way before Dr. Montessori um, found it and, and brought it to sort of a European market, a white market, as it were. Um, and actually at a Montessori conference that I attended um, at the end of August, there was um, an indigenous leader from um, Mexico. Sorry, I don't think she was an indigenous leader, actually. She was an indigenous educator in um, Mexico. And she spoke of this, actually, that um, so much indigenous knowledge was lost in the way that the family systems and the way um, children are raised um, with their sense of respect for the world and the seasons and um, the, the interdependence of life on earth. So much of that was lost with colonialism. And um, the reason that uh, where she is in, in Mexico and in North America that Montessori really appeals in the indigenous communities is that it is um, enabling them to bring back their um, knowledge and honour their culture and honour their traditions that they've been doing for hundreds of years um, because this is becoming more and more of a mainstream programme, particularly in North America and in the States. There's so many um, public schools that are, that are becoming Montessori, getting public grants so they can be run um, as public schools. So it's really, really interesting how this all um, links in and ties in. And these aren't new, um, new concepts. It's Dr. Montessori amplified them. And then that was over 100 years ago as well. So this is wisdom that has been around for centuries and centuries and centuries. And we can take um, the best of that from these uh, different walks of life, from these different cultures. And Do uh, Dr. Montessori documented her work really, really brilliantly. She wrote so many books. She did so many lectures that have now been put into print. Um, and there's def different Montessori associations around the world who are obviously then amplifying her work even further. Um, and what she found in her observations over 100 years ago is that these human tendencies, uh, that all humans have, hu have tendencies, and these are basic human needs. And these are the inner drive of the child. And when we're looking at simple, ordered and accessible, like we're all looking at this evening, it's really um, interesting if we take a step back and see where that comes from in terms of need. Um, and so the basic human needs, there's, there's between nine and 12 of them, depending on who you, uh, who you speak to, which Montessori association you speak to. Um, but basically the top ones are sort of like the need to move, the need to explore, the need to communicate, the need to socialise, the need to orientate ourselves, um, the need to self-develop, the need to work um, and to have activity. All, all of these um, human tendencies, these, these human needs are intrinsic within us. And so when we look at preparing a simple, ordered and accessible environment, this is playing into the human tendencies of our need to move, our need to explore, our need to perfect our skills, our need to work. Those all tie in. And these human tendencies, these human needs that Dr. Montessori identified, these are universal for all children, regardless of culture, regardless of race, regardless of religion, regardless of socioeconomic group. So whenever we come back to preparing our environment, we are, and no matter where we are in the world, um, we are thinking of designing an environment with our child's natural development in mind, thinking in the back of our, uh, back of our heads. Um, our children have these natural human tendencies, and these human tendencies are to explore, to move, to orientate, to learn, to communicate, all of these things. 
So how can we provide an environment that um, that supports this, that supports this in a natural in a natural way, and is our, our functional family home that's warm and welcoming and, and all of those things that are really important as well. So simple, ordered, and accessible. Um, simple is less is more. Ordered is a place for everything and everything in its place, and accessible is everything at their child's height. Um, and there's one more note I made about child's child's height, is that. Um, when uh, you sit on the floor and then look around the room, this is how you first work out what's accessible and not accessible for your child, because we can't tell when we're standing up. So sit on the floor and look around you. Or if you've got a baby who's immobile, lie on the floor and look around you. Look at what you can see, and then you will see what your child can see. Then you will see and you'll be able to work out what your child can access and what they cannot access. That is the first step to making an accessible environment. Because when we then sit on the floor and look around us, we're like, oh, actually, that thing's too big, that thing's too small, that jug is too big for them, that jug is too high for them, they can't reach the span and brush from that angle. Or Do you see what I mean? That's what informs us by observing our environment when we're at their height. That's when we can really learn um, what we need to do next um, to... Uh, basically create an environment that opens up a world of learning for them. Um, children learn, all children have an innate desire to learn and to self-improve and all the other things, as I said, with the human needs and the human tendencies. So we don't need to um, show them how to learn. They know how to learn. We just need to offer them an invitation to learn and to discover and explore from the way that we arrange our environment. We want our environment to be an invitation into um, the magic of learning and the magic of our world. Um, so that's what I wanted to say. Um, we haven't had any questions this evening, but if we do have any questions, please jump in now and let me know. Hello for everyone who's joined. Um, and if there's anything else, let me know. Otherwise, I'll see you again next week. Um, I have been working hard in the past couple of days, just putting the final finishing touches to my uh, first online parent enrichment course, which fingers are, we're testing tomorrow. So um, we will be live by the end of the week. I hope, fingers crossed, it's really, really exciting. And we're going to be um, doing, you know, trailer campaigns and things on my feed and stuff. So you'll see when it all happens. But um, we're almost there. We've had loads of technical issues, but we are almost there. Um, and it's going to be worth it when once it's all released, I hope. Um, but thank you so much for joining me this evening, everybody. Please do continue to send me requests for Top Tip Tuesday, what you'd like me to um, speak about. Um, also send me requests on, um, or any feedback on this session, any other questions. Um, just keep your questions coming because I will, I'll answer as much as, as many as I have time to answer. So thank you so much for watching everybody and I look forward to seeing you again soon. I hope next week. Bye bye. Take care. Enjoy the full moon in a couple of days. Bye bye.